Welcome one and all. You have discovered the Tom and Topher experiment. First word in entertainment. Tainment. Tainment. <laughs> Where we explore the mysteries of the universe, our minds, and much more. So come along with us to the edge of all that is possible. Welcome to the Tom and Topher experiment. Boom. There it is. There it is. <laughs> that legendary intro. <sighs> Thanks for that. You're welcome. We got Fran back. Yeah, Yay. I'm not dying anymore. Back from the grave. How was it? How was strep throat? So imagine someone grabbing you from the neck in the front and the back. And usually this is an awesome thing, but this time it really wasn't. Like I couldn't turn my head either way. And I was just not feeling anything. Right. So it's like the worst I, thing ever. I took 1,500 mgs of ibuprofen, which I never do. I like I Ew, take no meds ever. Probably 1,400, you said? 1,500. 1,500? I've never 1500. even taken like 700. Yeah, and it's like... I How much is in a tablet? Well, like the ones the that ones I had were 500. Which the is prescription why. is 800. Yeah, Normal is 800. 200. And uh, I the, more, the most I'd ever done was 200. So I thought there were three 200 mg pills. I pop them. Did you feel a little loopy? And I looked at... Well, the thing was, I went to bed right after regardless. So, like, I worked six hours, and then I was like, no. This is not okay. I'm not feeling okay. So I took the pills, and I went to bed. I woke up, and I was like, man, that was a really good nap. Like, the pills really helped. I looked at the bottle. It was 500 mgs, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> That's why it was a really good nap. It's and five days awesome. later. So, right after, I uh, what did I, I ate something super, I like ate cucumbers and spicy, spicy, uh, spicy, uh, I can't think of the word. Peanuts, spicy peanuts that Oof. were imported from Mexico. And like, I cut mm. them up and I put a sh bunch of hot sauce on there. And, uh. Wait, was, are they grown spicy? Like with, uh, do they grow them with? chilies or no so what they do is they they mix them in with uh, a dry rub they mix Ooh. them in with a dry rub and then they toast them with oils and then dry rub them again can you bring them i will absolutely bring them we'll have them at the barbecue that i keep saying i'm planning but i okay. don't have any money for okay cool we'll potluck it yeah they have these like roasted seasoned marinated like nuts that you can get at three for like three dollars at fat rabbit that come with like um fried bacon bits what the fuck okay we need to pause this and get those right now <laughs> we're going to fat rabbit kitchen's closing soon yeah it's like soon. three dollars <laughs> for like a little basket of them. <clears throat> so close to getting them when me and Fran went last yeah oh uh, I ate with strep throat that day and the starch just I had so many potatoes and oh my god so, I had a bulldog and so he had a bulldog and he ordered you know how it comes with the sausage, the bread, and then a huge mess of fries. Yeah. Like, it's probably like three potatoes worth of fries. Yeah. If not more. Yeah. And then he got a whole side order. Of more fries. No, no, he oh. got a whole nother order. He got, like, what? A sausage link, was it? And then a whole nother f heap of french fries. So, I had the, so the the bulldog that came with the fries, and then I had fries that were topped the chipotle sauce and another sausage. That's what it was. That's what it was. Jeez. Yeah, and I went home, and by and the time he dropped me off, I was, like, so dizzy because I couldn't, like, my throat was so And then he got so strep throat pain. after that because well, the thing he is, I take had care of his body. I just didn't. Well, I only get sick every so often. I get sick three, two or three times a year. Mm-hmm. 
right? And um, so I was wood knocking on wood. Um, so I didn't know that I was sick. Like, I don't know how to deal with being sick because I don't get sick. And it only lasted two or three days, and I'm fine now. Like, no one's in danger. Have you ever used emergency? Yes. And this I stuff like it. is clutch. It is. <laughs> it will save if I your feel life. anything, like push off anything going on in here, I drink some. It's crazy. And it, go, it goes away. You point it at his throat. I point it at my throat. Why is that the only? Why is that the only brand who does that? That is just very well known. Dumps vitamin C in your body. Yeah, like why Airborne. is not? Airborne has a vitamin C capsules. Yeah, but who takes Airborne? That's what I look. I haven't had a vitamin in twelve years. Like I don't know what to tell you, Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I love those Scooby Doo vitamins. Mm. <laughs> The, uh, child. <laughs> why can't I think of the name? Uh, the Flintstones gummy vitamins. Oh yeah. Mm. Was, that, that was that was the hit. Dude, you could just pour a, a whole bottle of those and a bowl and get some milk and a spoon yeah. and I'll be happy. <clears throat> then you have kidneys. <laughs> then you have kidney stones. Is that what they do? I don't know. Oh, man. Overdose Everybody. on Flintstone vitamins. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, guys. Not condoning overdoses. We we haven't uh, addressed the fact that it isn't just us three in the room. That's true. We have a guest. Bum bum. Taryn. Hi. Say hello, Taryn. Hello. So, we... Taryn is Connor. Chris. Who's <laughs> Connor? Well, the introduction, someone, please. Taryn is my girlfriend. Hi, Taryn. And she has I'm moved back Taryn. from Pennsylvania. Pittsburgh. Welcome to the show, Taryn. Welcome, Thank Taryn. You. Thanks for coming in. Thank you for joining us. Aw, thanks, guys. Do we want a synopsis as to why she was there and why she's back? Just a thought? I, I can do that. So I moved out to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania to hopefully pursue the career of acting. Um, and it was great. I love the East Coast. It's beautiful and gorgeous. Um, but uh, my living situation decided to just like fall straight through the ground and into like the pit of earth. So it's cool. <laughs> but uh, the experience was wonderful. And I loved um kind of like getting to interact with different Starbucks people. Um, I also work at Starbucks, as everyone else in this room. Oh yeah, we're all baristas. <laughs> <laughs> this is crazy. Um, and so that was that was a really great experience, but um, it became way too stressful, and I was like, hey, I'm coming back, just kidding. West Coast represent! Uh, no. <laughs> no, not gonna she lie. has an East Coast heart. I I do. I love the East Coast. I went. I visited New York for a while, and it stole my heart. Not gonna lie. I Absolutely. Wish rent was an expen- as expensive, and I would have moved out there myself. Oh my gosh, yeah. Don't you think the rent's equivalent? Um. So the thing is, one thing is rent, and one thing is living. Right, yeah. so you uh, can afford to live there, but you can't afford to live there. Yeah, <laughs> right. You can afford so, to survive there. Exactly. I mean, like <laughs> if you're if that's what you're into, and you want to like be alive when you're there, like you will have food. That's a stretch already. Yeah, oh, okay. you're already that's a going out already. there. Because <laughs> like I paid twelve dollars for uh, a plate by weight. 
they had a soul food restaurant that would weigh your plate and then no. they would, yeah and like in theory it's really good until you realize that one day you're not like hungry you're like really hungry mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. like you know it's it, it food f- commercial food there is really uh bumped up it's it's inflated like for sure okay but apart from that just like the travel situation uh forget about driving Oh, yeah. Forget about driving in... And you're talking about New York, York, right? New York, yeah. Sorry. Like New York City. New York, New York. Yeah, I stayed in New York, New York. I stayed in Manhattan, um, Mm -hmm. right next to Queens. Mm -hmm. And uh, interestingly enough, two weeks after that... uh, No, sorry. Two days after I left, this kid got macheted at the corner of where I was staying. Like, two blocks away from where I was staying. Welcome to New York, y'all. Welcome to New York. Yeah, it was wild, but... The stay was amazing. It came at the perfect time. Yeah. My uh, family, before I actually moved to Pittsburgh, we took like a three-week vacation all the way through upstate New York and then down into the city, and we stayed just off of Times Square, and that was great, but living in New York City, definitely not living in Times Square. It's not a thing. Mm -hmm. It like, that is the epitome of the city that never sleeps. Which is great in theory if you're going out every night, but if you're, like, just trying to stay in, like, it's, like, can we not, guys? How's the food there? Really good, though. Uh, what was <laughs> your favorite? Amazing. Yeah, talking about What's the What's your food? favorite thing that you got there that you can't get here? Um, it's not really a thing here, but um, select restaurants do do it, but Pizza by the Slice is the best invention ever (laughs) because it's like you literally just get this massive slice of pizza and you can have your own like i want i want hawaiian i like pineapple on my pizza thank you very much but see then you can get something else francisco (laughs) am i the only one on that train yeah yes what are you i love hawaiian pizza yeah damn canadian bacon yeah those big Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. No. I mean, that's <laughs> all I was gonna say. Like pizza by the slice, um, being able to get just any kind of takeout you want—it's really great. They have their own I... delivery system. Yeah. Where, uh, they have their own food delivery app, like for the specific area. Speaking of apps, not food related, but if you are gonna be traveling around the city, I definitely recommend City Mapper. Because it was fantastic. I first used it when I was visiting London, and it literally got me everywhere I needed to go. Hmm. Subway, tube, like, trains, taxis, Uber even, and Lyft. Like, in walking, it tells you that where you need to walk to get to the <coughs> next one and the best route. It also tells you tells you where to sit on oh, cool. the subway. What's it called again? City Mapper. Let's get them as a sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, no, like it'll say that like at this time, um, sitting at the in the front car is is the best, you know, because that's where your stop is gonna be. You're gonna be wanting to go oh, turn cool. right coming out of the train, and so like that's where you wanna be. It's like it's it's really cool. So is it more okay? I know there's obviously a large city near where you lived, but were you in more foresty area? Was it more urban? Um, so in regards to Pittsburgh, um, Pittsburgh was about 30 minutes from away from where I was, but where I was staying was definitely more of that semi-country boondocks kind of feel, where I was actually living. Like, my house was uh, up this little gravel hill after crossing the rail, uh, rail tracks, after a little dirt path after a very broken down cement road 
that turned off of a minor highway. Oh, wow. That was where my house was. But <laughs> it was only 10 minutes away from the Starbucks where I worked, which was also in the same parking lot as, like, a Target and an Applebee's and a Lowe's and... Murder uh, Central. <laughs> that kind of sounds like this area. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So like, like, we're close to Sacramento mm-hmm, City. Exactly. It's de- and, like, I, I think I mentioned earlier that it's very similar to, like, a combination of Auburn and Fair Oaks, which Fair Oaks has, like, that very, like... Not suburban feel, but very just kind of like low key like area to live. Right. While Auburn is like your neighbor's a little bit further away, yeah, and yeah, it's a little bit there. more country. Yeah, I love it in Auburn. It's yeah. so nice. So that's definitely like the best combination example for uh, like for those of us that know the area. That's what it would be. Yeah. So in regards to your pizza, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I think the closest thing that you can get to that here is probably Costco. Like, I, oh. I have mad respect for that place. Or Sabaro. Sabaro, oh, yeah. They're, they're, they're roll thingies. You know what? Yes. Yes. Papa yes. John's. Oh, oh my gosh. Sabaro, hits up. We love a sponsorship from you guys. I'm Sabaro. My last name is Baro. Come on. <laughs> I was so sad when the Sabaro in the Sunrise Mall closed. And I thought it was gone. I thought there was no, no other Sparrow. location. No other Where's Sabaro. Where's the closest Sparrow? Arden Fair Mall. Oh, okay. It was still there. I don't I know, know if it's still there. I haven't been there in Let's a while. Let's make a pilgrimage. Just but <laughs> it was still there. Sabaros. And I was so, like, elated to find out that there was another one. It wasn't until I went to, like, San Francisco and saw one inside their mall that I realized that there actually was one mm-hmm. in our mall out here. Yeah, yeah. I didn't I didn't know that it was a, uh, a chain restaurant mm-hmm. for a very long time. Yeah. Oh, you thought it was unique, too? I thought it was just, like, a one-off restaurant oh, okay. that, like, try, was trying to hit it off in the Sunrise Mall. I've seen a couple in airports, though. I have, yeah. Yeah. Um, I thought I've seen them in movies. In movies? What movies are you watching? So Underground <laughs> indie movies, <laughs> indie movies like, like ones the, that are filmed the, right here in Sacramento. <laughs> Do you watch The Office? Too? The movies on my. I phone. can't stand The Office. Oh, ah, no. you'll you'll love him then. <laughs> it's disgusting. You guys can get out of this house if you love stuff. <laughs> There's a scene where <laughs> Michael Scott goes to New York and he. Um, he decides to go to his favorite pizza joint, and he's like, ah, my favorite pizza joint, and it's a Sabaro. <laughs> he's like, I'm about to get a New York slice. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. The, uh, the falafel stands and the... the uh, Ooh, I love falafel. Just the amount of them. Yes. What is a falafel? Uh, really good. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> falafel is made out of what? Chickpeas? It's battered... And fried ch- ch- chickpea mixture with like I you know I'm gonna Google this. Yeah, Google that. Yeah. Like you're idiot. our tech guy. You need to be uh, bing it on that stuff. No, don't bing it. Yeah, what bing it. Don't bing it. Bing it. No one. Don't promote bing. that company. No. I might as well use Internet <laughs> Explorer. What, what, what did we say? We he is his Internet Explorer. <laughs> we don't say bing Most it. We don't say it. Yahoo it. <sighs> yeah. What do you say? That's for so Yahoo? true. It's Google. It. Search it. Google it. Look it so, up. Uh, the I know that. I know Google it. Uh, I have the floor. Oh, yes. A falafel is a battered, uh, deep-fried ball of chickpeas, fava beans, or both. It is a food that originated in Egypt. It's commonly served inside of a pita. Um, so, it's just fried bean balls. <laughs> but they're so good. It's just fried, fried bean balls. Bean balls. Yeah. <laughs> well, because, I mean, chickpeas, chickpeas are... Are um, 
What's the, what's the? It starts with an L. Uh, a le, 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 lentil. Lentil. Okay. There, okay. Uh, chickpeas are a lentil. Lentil. And then um, the other bean is also a lentil. Fava beans are lentils as well. <laughs> so it's a fried ball of bean dough. Wait, I thought lentils were a specific bean no. species. Mm, as far as I know, no. Le- there are lentils, like the small bean ones. Yeah. But no, they are a uh, they are a high protein pulse that is dried then soaked and cooked. Oh, okay. Right. So, legume. Sorry, no. I'm an idiot. You're correct. Okay. Legume is the word that we were looking okay. for. Okay. <laughs> legume. Lentil is a specific type of legume. Legumes include okay. pinto, black kidney, green chickpeas, and then the fa- the ca- the fava beans that we were talking about. Okay. You know, so it's like I had lentil we've soup. We've been talking about this for a very long time now. <laughs> <laughs> so falafel. <laughs> yeah, well. I mean, I'm interested in Terrence's travels. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you said London. Yeah. Okay, so two Wait, years you went ago. To two London? years ago, I went to London. I actually studied abroad. Oh, yeah. Um, Wait, Italy, too, right? That was four years ago. Yeah. Jesus Christ. So, uh, should I go in chronological order? <laughs> so, okay. Um, the only reason that I was able to make it to previous countries is because my mom teaches this class called um, A History of Christian Fine Arts and did, uh, did these um, education tours. And so we went to Italy because, you know, like Christian Fine Arts don't exist in America. They mm-hmm. exist other well, <laughs> elsewhere. Um, and so we went to Italy and Greece, which was beautiful and amazing. And I totally wanted to go back so thing. badly. I know, right? Tragic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, more recently, two years ago, I studied abroad in London um, with my uh, community college, um, and that was great. Like, I lived in this flat connected to this um, family's home, and they were a wonderful family, which was really nice because they were very, like, supportive of me studying abroad, and they would check in and be like, hey, are you okay? Do you need anything? Which was really nice, but then I also had my complete separate space from them. Anyway, it's part, uh, against the point. Um, but staying in London, I'm directionally challenged. (laughs) (laughs) What is that? Okay, explain that. What does that mean? I'm directionally challenged in the sense, okay, I, this is most people, but when the GPS pops up and says, head east, and you're like, great, which direction is that? West? (laughs) (laughs) Wait. (laughs) But so, um... Uh, yeah, so I'm directionally challenged in the sense that, like, it'll, I will be staring at a GPS and it'll be telling me to turn right or whatever, and I will still end up lost. Right. I got lost in Folsom one time. That's a whole other story. It's a funny one. But, so I'm directionally challenged, and yet, in London, I was the one person in our group studying abroad that immediately t- got the hang of the tube, and I knew how to read the maps, and which line we had to be on, and then when we had to switch lines, and I was probably the only person that never got on going the wrong way. And I don't know how it happened, but suddenly, like, directions made sense to me, and I knew what was happening. I think I just need to walk everywhere, it'll be okay. What was more chaotic, New York or London? Probably New York. London is very, very well mapped out. Um... Now, like, they look 
pretty much the same like New York and London so like every line is color-coded and they have signs for everything it's just that they're like the New York subways um, somehow the entrances don't make sense and I can't <laughs> tell you why. I don't know why it is they don't make sense. So, but is it possibly because there's, well, from what I've heard, there's just always homeless people shitting in there? I wouldn't know. <laughs> well, that's true. But I wouldn't like, say oh. that that's the case. No, it's like when you look at the sign, it doesn't necessarily say um, which direction it's going. It says what part of town it's going toward. And so if you don't know which direction that is, you don't know oh. which way you're going. Um but at least I know that with London, like, the tube signs did say, like, north, south, east, west, and that kind of stuff. And, like, specifically with uh, the subway system in New York, uh, you have to enter on the right corner of the street. on the Sorry, on the correct corner of the street, not right or left, but the yeah. correct one. In London, it's fairly easy to get to the other side of the platform. Um, there's more um, systems that connect it, and you can get it, get to it without going up and around to the other side and then coming back down, um, the tube is fairly well connected that way. And I think maybe that's what makes it a little easier to understand. In so, it, sorry, just right, one second. Good, good. Whenever you talk about the chaos of a city, everybody goes straight to the subways. They're just so like, so the underground street. of the city is trash and I hate it and everything <laughs> about it is horrible and confusing. So don't do that. <laughs> Except that's the only way to get around. That's the best yeah. way to get around, actually. Yeah. It is. Uh, feeding on that and what Taryn said, if you get on the wrong side of the corner in New York, there's a 90% chance that you're going to miss your train. Yes. Because, especially in the heart of Manhattan, I went on a station that had three floors mm -hmm. to get to my train. Mm -hmm. And then I got on another station that had nine separate diverges in two trains and then a shopping mall inside of it yeah yeah i had a really nice bowl of pho nice <laughs> while everyone was on their hustle and bustle but on that point walking was Love a nightmare mm. i've never had pho are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> you guys are you serious <laughs> you just totally got me i walked right into that one but walking, uh, I walked 35 <laughs> miles in six days, um, and it, it was like a nightmare. Sam describing herself walking to school. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, legit, like, I had my phone, I had my brand new phone, and I was, like, tracking every single step of it, and it was wonderful. Like, my legs have never felt so more, much more toned. I gotta say, do not discredit the story of walking both ways up up a hill in the snow. Yeah. When I was in upstate New York with my family, we went to the town where my grandfather grew up, and my dad was like, so here's the hill <laughs> that my gra your grandfather walked to school, and it legit is uphill both yeah. ways. And, it, and you know what happens in upstate New York? It snows. <laughs> so that I, story is true. My mom showed me her hill as well. We went to San Francisco and she took me on a tour. Dude, those hills are ridiculous. Her hill. Yeah. That's she wasn't lying. Yeah. <laughs> I would not do that. I would drop out of school for sure. <laughs> There's no way. No, seriously, you that's a workout. Yeah. Oh man. Sorry, real quick to finish my point. Uh even up on top of the ground, walking was a nightmare. Mm -hmm. Um I happened to uh walk in the most lonely 
of times and the most busy of times. Yes. Um, I went to um, a gay pride march, um, and it was a nightmare. I was in the front row, and I'm the tallest person uh, in New York, apparently, because <laughs> everyone behind me decided to try and pick a fight with me, and every time they would be like, hey, tall guy in the front, I would turn around in my... Uh, Minnie Mouse cut sleeve shirt that I had I bought at uh, Aeropostale that day because I knew it was going to be hot. I'm going to turn around and look at them and said, you should have got here first, right? You can come around me. You don't have to stand, stand directly behind me. My point being, I was in a really bad mood. It was hot. But walking there yeah. in the most busy times where everyone's in one concentrated area, mm-hmm. underneath buildings that are being constructed with, you know, just pipe after pipe yes. sticking out of everywhere so the sidewalks aren't even open right yeah. the sidewalks have poles sticking into yes. them and they split the sidewalks and it's just like well where do i walk right mm-hmm. and then walking at seven in the morning when i have to take my train the streets look like the sidewalks look like another side of the street they look like a highway when no one's there because there's so much walking space but it gets taken up mm-hmm. and it just looks like there isn't that many people walking when in reality, the sidewalks are just as big as, if not bigger than the streets in some places. Huh. Yeah. Especially in Queens. It was wild. Um, so walking is just as bad as underground. As underground. Driving is just as bad because you have pedestrians who don't give a single flying heck. A freaking heckin' freak. They don't give a freaking heck about crosswalks. And when I came back to Sacramento, I was crossing and I didn't give a heck. Dude, a heckin' just, hoodle. It was like... The, I wouldn't. The hand was up and everything, and I was like, well, what are they going to do? Hit me? <laughs> <laughs> right? And I was like, please. It's like you can always tell a non-city walker in the city because they actually stop for the crosswalk. Exactly. They no, don't do that. They, no they give like sucks. a half glance to make sure that there's not a car immediately coming, and then they just keep walking. Don't Sounds like stutter. Davis to me. Except just, they're all just old and college students on yeah, bikes. Yeah, that, that would be like small scale similar. Yes. <laughs> I hate Davis. <laughs> I hate it so much. It's such so a pretentious little town, isn't it? It is. You you go there and there will be a person in a thong with flip-flops telling you um, that you're running your farmer's market stand insufficiently. <laughs> and you're like, what? dude, get some pants on. Yeah, I've, I've what worked... on earth has happened? <laughs> Sorry, some context. I've worked at a farmer's market stand in okay. Davis before. Men with um, skirts and, and flip-flops and nothing on at all have approached and had... Wait, they had Winkies out? Technically. Okay. Speedos. <laughs> it's a very liberal town. Oh, okay. You ever been to Davis? No, yeah, I've been I'm there. I was that you're surprised. No, right I've now. been to Davis, but I've only seen the bike thing. I've never seen like <laughs> that San Francisco type and... stuff you're talking about. Oh man, we are yeah. offending a lot of cities today. No, those things exist. They do. There's no. I've seen a lot of naked people it. in San Francisco. Uh, what I do have a problem with is when somebody comes up and tries to correct your life. When clearly they're living their own. <laughs> they are definitely it's like, living dude, their own. We're on. We're living in completely <laughs> different realities. Like, yeah. I don't know what kind of common ground we're going to reach here. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of uh, realities, uh, when's the next couple's trip coming up? What are you guys planning for each other? 
couples trip. Yeah, like, are you guys planning... Like, I know she just freshly, like, <laughs> off the rack of traveling. Uh, but, like, I know you was, need a break, first? dude. Tahoe? Yeah, Tahoe. Tahoe. Oh, Tahoe. Tahoe. Cats. Yeah. A little mini yeah. trip. We have a... Emily and I have a playlist of just, like, hundreds of songs that we have for our Tahoe trip. Oh, oh nice. That's yeah. adorable. She's big on music. We should copy them. Yeah, well, you're fired. Um... <laughs> At least I'm telling you. Yeah, okay. That's fine. <laughs> Tahoe. Yeah, yeah. I think that's first. We, well, we actually just have like a, a list and like a shared have, note of we countries we're going to visit. Mm-hmm. And like, I think that that's like. Should we get the list out? That's really do you want awesome. the list? I don't know. Can you well, do I wanted to ask yes. Chris Topher right. about um, Ireland. I know you went there. Yeah. I'm so jealous. What that hell? place is probably if like Germany, Ireland. Is there a couple of places I really want to go? Mm-hmm. Maybe some tropical areas like Fiji or something. I don't know. Yeah, but I've never been anywhere tropical. Ireland is a big one. Ireland is a good one. I highly recommend going there. So where'd you go? Like Northern Ireland, Southern <coughs> we went, Ireland. We didn't go to Northern Ireland. Um, I wanted to see that, but we didn't. We stayed in uh, right outside Limerick in a small town called Adair, and we stayed in the Adair Villas. We actually have a couple listeners from Ireland. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! That's yeah. right. If you're listening, what's up? Yeah. <laughs> what's Hit us good? up. Hit us up on Twitter. <laughs> Give yeah. us a shout out. Tom and Topher. Let's see your tall pints. Yeah, we love tall pints. <laughs> they got plenty of pints there, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> plenty of pints to go around in Ireland. Like, pubs to them is what Starbucks is to us. Yes, yes that's where awesome. I need to be. <laughs> like, pubs are next door to each other. Yeah. And it's totally okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, seriously. The same thing as in Scotland as well. Yeah. You've been to Scotland? Oh, yeah. Yeah. oh I want to go to... I want to go to Europe so bad. So if you guys have any Europe questions, just uh, yeah, just talk. So you know, been around. <laughs> Cheerio. I really want to go to Swiss Switzerland. Yeah. yeah, we do. We have a couple listeners from United Kingdom too. Oh really? Right. That's great. Our India demographics have shown some really sporadic listeners, and we yeah. hope that you're still around. Venezuela, Croatia, so Croatia. That was a good one. Wow. If you're We're listening. Hit us up on Twitter. <laughs> Give us a little uh, an, an emoji flag if you have, you know, Snapchat. Point at it. We'll give you a shout out. It'd be awesome <laughs> to see you guys. Do you think um, Ireland was be your favorite place to visit? I think. I think. Yeah, for sure. It's definitely going to be a staple, <clears throat> and I want to retire there. Yes. Wow. Once I'm very like old, Cottage. and I'm just I'm okay with. Yeah. Like, just writing or something for the rest of my life. Kayaking and... <laughs> yeah, just doing all the cool stuff. Just, just like, part of me history. thinks I'm going to be working because I like I like doing stuff. I think part of me thinks I'm going to be doing that. But if I want to just relax in the end of my days, I want to live it out there. For sure. What is seriously, like, dream. so adorable is that my parents just got back from Ireland. Yeah. And my dad uh, surprised my mom with this little uh, heart necklace that he had engraved about the it, the exact date that he has now spent half of his life with my mom. Oh, wow. And, like, she had no idea. And, like, it, it's too cute. And I can't stand that my parents are so adorable. <laughs> um, but, like, my mom was like, 
we really should go to Ireland. And he kind of looks at the time that she wants to go, and he's like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah we're going to go to Ireland, you know? <laughs> you know just like, uh, okay. Successful just... relationships. <laughs> marriage <laughs> and love. I think that travel is extremely important. Yeah. Yeah. It totally changes your experience. Yeah. Like, for, for example, I think that there's a lot of people in this world who sit in the same spot their whole lives. Mm-hmm. They never experience an outside thought of any kind. And some of them become very ignorant to the world around them in the sense that they... Um, they develop racism and and hate towards other people that aren't the same as them. Right. And I think, truly, if you were forced for a second, if you forced somebody who is is stuck in that kind of mentality to live elsewhere and learn the language and learn the culture and appreciate what it's like to be somebody in in another Mm -hmm. land who looks stupid because you don't know their language or because you don't know their culture, you will understand what it's like to be that, that person in another country, which America is filled with those types of people who are not from necessarily from here or, um, had family fathers, grandfathers who came over here, Mm -hmm. um, and had to learn the language and stuff like that. So that concept alone is the exact reason why I love being an actor. It's not the same as being able to actually go and experience another life, but the amount of research that goes into it and having to portray the deep-seated feelings of a person, it's opening this door to allow you to experience a hint of what it's like to live a life that you never would have had the chance to experience just by being where you are and it doesn't matter you know what your background is like there's no way that you could ever experience someone else's life unless you grew unless you did that unless you grew up in that way but the amount of research and the amount of feeling that you do have to connect to that character to that person it opens up that door to experience a day in someone else's shoes and I think that that's why theater people look so insane and crazy because we are so opening, open and accepting of all walks of life because we know that we're experiencing every single one of those at some point in our life. And so we get it on some sort of other scale that yeah. just doesn't exist in the normal human's life. Yeah, that totally makes sense. What do you think of method acting? So there's two styles of, of acting, um, typically. Um, they are broken up into method and classical and... Uh, true method acting and then what we now know today as method acting are two I wouldn't say totally different things but definitely different what way um so okay so when you think of method acting what's a what's an example that you think of Heath Ledger Tom Hardy Mm -hmm. um I can't uh, there's a lot more. <laughs> Those yeah. are two. Um, I'm totally going to forget the second actor's name. Um, but there's a common story about Sir Laurence Olivier and another... Dustin Hoffman. Yes, Dustin Hoffman. <clears throat> um, where they have a scene together and Dustin Hoffman's character is supposed to be totally beaten down. And literally beaten. Beaten down. And um, they spend like two, three, four hours where Sir Laurence Olivier is just waiting for Dustin Hoffman to come onto the scene. Um, um, and to play the scene. And he finally comes out of his trailer. He had not slept for like two, three days. He had 
not eaten. He had just completely made himself appear and feel how it would have been to be beaten down. And Sir Laurence Olivier just looks at him and says, why don't you try acting, my dear boy? Because that's exactly what it is. Acting is pretending. There is a hilarious video where, um, oh my goodness, why can I not remember his name now? Um, Magneto. Look it up. Oh, oh. We have a guy for that. He'll, uh, he'll find uh, it. E Magneto. Magneto. Um, Gandalf. The dude. Um, um, um. My dude's. Why? <laughs> why does this happen? Ian McKellen? Yes. Ian McKellen. Okay, sir, Ian McKellen. <laughs> My brain just exploded. <laughs> like, it just completely gone. You're reading the book. <laughs> I am. It's right there. Um, there's a hilarious video where Sir Ian McKellen is asked, you know, about acting, and he's like, the, the secret is, is I am pretending to be a wizard. I am not actually a wizard. And it's hilarious. <laughs> I've seen that video. Okay, it's hilarious because... It is a good video. This is the, this is the exact concept. Acting is classical. You are trained to emulate these feelings. You are trained to have a sense memory. Mm -hmm. um, I was just in a production of um, William Shakespeare's Julius Caesar. And uh, I was playing a conspirator, so we had to stab Julius Caesar. And our director was asking us, what is that sense memory? Okay, now none of us have technically, hopefully, ever had actual blood on our hands to that proportion. Um... But if you think of paint, if you think of having paint on your hands and like going over your hands and that concept, it's that sense memory of feeling that paint on your hand. And that is the sense of classical acting. I'm not going to go and stab someone so I can feel blood running down my hand. But... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Francisco's laugh. <laughs> but in that sense memory category of having paint running over my hand, I can have that feeling of seeing the blood on my hands and what it feels like and how does that trigger a feeling inside of me. And that's the classical sense of acting. Method sense of acting is actually experiencing what these people experience. So living in a crawl space people will go and actually live in a crawl space for three months um meryl streep has once said i do not want to recall the day that my mother died every single time i pay, play a character whose mother has died that's traumatizing that's that's an awful thing to relive over and over and over again you're already going to relive it for the rest of your life but why am i going to relive that simply to betray a character when it's just that it is that sense memory you're tr you're taught these techniques to uh, recognize you know what it, what does the body do when it feels sad you know like the sense of like you don't if you're trying to cry on stage or if you're trying to act drunk on stage you do the opposite you try not to cry because think about it when we're crying we're not you know trying to cry in front of everyone most people when you start to cry you try to suck it up you try to nope i'm not gonna cry i'm not gonna let these tears fall <laughs> you, you suddenly come out with all of these like convulsing sounds and that is the cry and the same thing with drunkenness if you try to act drunk it's ridiculous and it's overplayed and everyone knows that you're not drunk but think about it a drunk person is not acting drunk. They're not being drunk. They're not thinking about how, be, like, being about being drunk. They're trying so hard to act sober. 
<laughs> to appear sober. Think about it. The second you hear you hear your words start to slur, mm-hmm. you start over-pronunciating your words. And then, like, the second you start, feel like you start to wobble, you walk so carefully, <laughs> focusing on one foot in front of the other. And it's like... Give me your keys. <laughs> <laughs> and it's I'm like, fine. <laughs> You just start marching. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> or you think that you can give your best friend a piggyback out on the street. No, you cannot, you face plant. <laughs> but it sounds like first hand experience. <laughs> it might be a little bit. Um but it's it's the sense of like knowing what the body does and using those to enact that instead of going out and experiencing it, instead of going out and making it happen to yourself. You know, like I'm not gonna go and slam my knee into a corner so that I have a limp. <laughs> like, these are the extremes so, of method acting. So your perspective is method acting might take away a little bit from the essence I of believe acting. that it does. I believe that it does. Now, because think about it. You're trying to protect someone that is not yourself. Yeah. So the way that I react to certain, okay, the way that I re- react to pain is completely different than how another person reacts to pain. I have a high pain tolerance, so I usually don't notice it until my body is overreacting to it. You know, when you get that, to that point of pain where like you feel sick to your stomach and you feel like you might puke. The sisters that way. That is exactly what it takes for me to realize, oh shoot, I'm in pain. For me, it's just discomfort. So I'm still going to go about my day and go about my job and not even bat an eye at it. You know, I might just, like, be adjusting all the time or whatever. But actually, my body's in a lot of pain. My sister once carried me home in the snow with a broken arm when I was a, a little kid. Your sister. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. His sister had the broken arm. His, yeah. I'm going to say that I your sister is one rockin' lady. Yeah. <laughs> I was probably, like, three or four years old. She oh. was probably, like, I don't know, 13. Yeah. So if I, so if I as an actor try to go and method act and try to, you know, cause myself pain so that I can feel the same pain, it's not going to come out the same and it's not going to come out the way that that person feels it. And it's going to take away from it. It's going to be a focus on myself. First of all, I'm going to actually be physically in pain and I'm going to be reacting to that and trying to prevent that. And I'm going to be focused on that in some capacity. And it draws from the character and the story that you're trying to tell there's a reason that that person is in pain. And you have to go back to the reason that that person is in pain. And how does that tie into the rest of the story? What does that cause them to do? And that's what you should be focusing on instead of, oh, wow, I'm in pain. Me, physically, as the actor, I am in pain. Um, that's there, a do you think very that, interesting perspective on method acting that I did not expect from you. I, I So going to a community college with a lot of professors that actually are trying to inspire method acting in, in me, um, I actually was classically Is that a popular trained. thing? I would say recently it kind of is, but I would say more so at actually the Stanislavs- Stanislavski method is what is popular in education. Stanislavski's method is... Um, I want. I really hope that I'm getting this right. Otherwise, I'm Francisco Stanislavski. (laughs) (laughs) Not Stanislavski. I'm not even gonna lie. I know how to spell that. (laughs) You do. Uh, I had a a name a friend named Stanislaus. What? Stanislavski. Just just correct me if I'm wrong. That it is Stanislavski's method that has inspired method acting. 
because I might be confusing this. I might be getting it mixed yeah, up. Yeah, Stanislavski's okay. system is a systematic approach, sorry, mm-hmm. uh, to training actors. Uh, it should involve something more than merely physical and vocal training. Yes, yeah, right. okay. The art of experiencing. Completely, yes. So that is what has inspired method acting as we know it today. Now, uh, my professor, who's kind of become my mentor, has been trying to evoke feeling in me on stage. Because as a classical actor, it's, it's exactly what I've been saying. How does the body react? Okay, knowing that, then you can cause your body to emulate that feeling and what it looks like. But there is something in a person's eyes that you mm-hmm. just don't see if it's just the body reacting. And so it's that Stanislavski's method of actually experiencing it that kind of inspires you to truly feel it. And that is something that my professor has been trying to get me to do in the next step and stages of my acting. But what he's been having me do is instead fully immersing myself in a scene. If you've ever seen an actor perform a monologue, there's nothing up there with them. They're not on a big fancy stage. They don't have another actor with them. They are the only person speaking. But in their head, there is an entire set in front of them. There is an entire set. They know exactly where the seat is. They know who's standing next to it. They know what is on their cuff of that person's shirt. They know what kind of cuff length they're wearing. They, um, I know specifically that I have a beaded necklace and that it's something that I play with when I'm nervous. Because you completely immerse yourself in the scene, even though none of this is on the stage. And that is what draws a person completely into a scene and that kind of evokes that feeling within them because they truly see it in front of them. Uh, when performing a uh, sonnet by sh- by uh, Shakespeare, I had this complete elaborate stage um, inspired by Shakespeare's Globe Theater in front of me. And there was a daisy popping up between a crack in the stage. And I picked it up, and that was what inspired the rest of the movements in that scene. And that is the kind of... Um, method that he's been using with me to identify these tools that I already had in my shed of acting skills, but identifying them for what they are and being able to use them properly. And it also evokes that feeling. It's that sense memory. Because when you remember what it feels like to feel sad, you kind of just automatically go there. And then your body then reacts. And then there's that look in the eye, though, that completes the picture. It's when you take that to the extreme, which is when we get those extreme cases of Heath Ledger and all of those other examples that you truly, truly put yourself in that situation, which can be incredibly harmful, physically, mentally, or otherwise. Mm -hmm. Um, Seeing actors go from these extreme weights, um, extreme weight gain to immediate extreme weight loss. Now there are nutritionists and trainers that help them do that in a healthy transition but then there are some who take it even further and it's like okay we appreciate that you're trying to really get us in a picture of what this character is feeling but don't hurt yourself in the process take care of yourself christian bale we love you (laughs) we love you so much christian bale please come on our podcast Francisco. A quick, uh, quick <laughs> list of some uh, known Jim Carrey. Ex- extreme method actors. Jim Carrey. Robert De Niro, Jim Carrey, uh, Marlon Brando, a really old one, Nicolas mm. Cage, Michael Caine, mm. uh, people like that that 
are in some of our favorite movies. Nicholas Cage? Oh, Nicholas Cage. Actors. Angelina I'm actually Jolie. surprised by the Michael Caine one. Me too. What did, Depp, what did Nicolas Cage method act in? Uh, <laughs> Anything that he has Nicolas Cage. Nicolas Cage. <laughs> he should go for another. Like, I love Nicolas Cage so much. Me too. He's so corny. Like, he gets so much shit. He's a meme. He's a, he a walking meme. Okay, have you guys seen the movie show. Weatherman? Huh? Have you seen the movie Weatherman? I feel no. like I have. <gasps> Put it in. I'm just gonna... You know I watch what you tell me to watch. <clears throat> okay, I'm just going to... Do a quick Netflix search. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, while on that, um, just connecting with you, I did three years of very rudimentary acting. Um, I was in two productions, a lot of improv acting, and uh, my favorite one was The Crucible. Mm. The Crucible, a really wonderful and riveting story of just backstabbing, lying, and, and, and very undeveloped thoughts in... in, in in an age where you could say anything and it would go. So what's a very quick description of that? Because I have no clue what that play is. So, um, very quick and basic uh, synopsis of it. Guy is cheating on wife, doesn't want to be cheating on wife anymore. The guy, the woman that he's cheating what on... What time period is this in? 1700s? Okay, I got you. Go right? 1700s? I really? believe so, yeah. Yeah, uh, Salem Witch Trials is what it's based on. Okay. Um, which is what they were, actually. Sorry, not based on. Um, he's cheating on his wife. He doesn't want to be cheating on his wife anymore. So Abigail, the woman that he's... The girl he's cheating on his wife with, um, says that his wife is a witch. And um, he fights that, and Abigail just keeps pointing fingers. The woman, that woman's a witch. This person's a witch. This person's a witch. Gets them hung, gets them killed. Uh, starts a bunch of stuff, you know. She's a witch! Yes, so what happened was is they were caught um, performing a ritual with the slave of the house, if I'm not mistaken. Um, again, this is four years ago. It's been a while since I've read this. But um, there were trials, and whether they were a witch or not was um, determined by a group of girls that were being manipulated by Abigail, regardless. So what ended up happening was... Um, in between every trial, Abigail would try to convince John, hey, I love you, leave the woman, she's going to get burned anyways. Or, um, okay, so Salem Witch Trials, Yes. husband and wife. Husband and wife. Right. Pissed so, at each other. Pissed at each other. Eventually the wife finds out, yes. Um, Abigail cries wolf and says that everyone in the town is a witch, essentially. Uh, what happens at the end um, is you see John getting burned at the stake. Giles gets pressed down by stones. People are burned and hung everywhere. Pressed down by stones? Yes, so I played Giles. Wait, what is this called again? The The Crucible. Crucible. Did they make a show out of this? They made a show out of it. They made a movie. They made plays. Does Jon Snow play in this? Can Uh, you look that up? I don't know. I will look that up. Um, So... Didn't The Crucible come out in the 90s? the, The movie? I'm pretty sure there's multiple uh, versions of it. Does this involve Netflix the Catholic just... Church? No, that was a Protestant thing. Yeah, the, yeah, that was the, the Catholic Church thing. has the. Uh, that's their big thing. What was that called? In Spain. The Inquisition. Inquisition. Yeah. So there was a 1996. History buff over here. There was a 1996 <laughs> um, version. Up. With Winona Ryder. Yes. 
not a modern Netflix there series. There was or a HBO 1967 series. TV movie. Oh, fuck. Um, Here we go. Uh, Do you want to... <clears throat> There wasn't a... you want to hit a break yeah, for hit, a second? Let's, hit, let's, let's a break. hit a pause, hit that fan tech, yeah. let this noise die down. All right, we're going to pause it up. Ready? Uh, One, two, three, pause. We are back from our pod e break. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, yuck, yuck, yuck. Sorry. <laughs> Classic Tom, man. Classic I'm going to go Tom. ahead and credit that meme to my dad. Thanks, Monty. You're a great guy. Oh, his name is Monty. I love that. I still love that. That's a that's a meme in itself. It's a meme in itself. Absolutely. How many Monty's did he say that tonight? You know? Yeah, he said that tonight. As when we you were went taking on your potty, potty break. break. Oh my! <laughs> this is wonderful. Yeah. Um, just kind of rounding off what I was saying before the break, just kind of giving a synopsis of what I vaguely remember of the Crucibles, uh, and the Salem witch trials in general. It's really riveting uh, history, kind of section cool. but um the tr- the aspect that i was trying to get to you with with classical acting is the only way that the classical method was the only way i was ever taught because i had a very rudimentary kind of basis to it i did it for three years um but my freshman year of high school i left acting to pursue uh seven different instruments which <laughs> still i left to pursue color right after that um you know i just didn't like it so um i played giles which was um, an old kind of mentor to John. And at the end of the play, um, I think the biggest moment for Giles was he was being pressed by stones in order to, con- to throw people under the bus. He wanted, they wanted him to confess, you know, hey, I am a witch. Hey, I am uh, a servant of the devil. I, these are the people that are helping me, right? So they would put weights, on to- rocks on top of him. Um, and so you just add more and more rocks. And the last line I had was more weight. Um, you know, as he's being crushed by tons and tons of stone, Giles mutters out more weight and dies. Um, after the play, I walked out and I felt like the biggest person in the room. And this was just like, I had my, my hair spray painted gray. I, I was like in the most kind of like, tight fit 1700s pressed like really old um suit and rags and pants and tied everywhere and i walked out feeling like a million bucks because this character had so much chutzpah behind him had so much care had so had so much character I i can't describe it in any other way that he was the person he was his own person that no matter what you said to him you could be crushing him with tons of sound and he had this kind of vigor behind him mm-hmm. when i left that performance for weeks i felt so amazing about myself mm-hmm. not tied into the performance itself i just the attitude that i had to take when i was being crushed by styrofoam balls shaped like rocks <laughs> It was ridiculous. Like I, I, when that high finally went down, it was like a whole new world for me, because I was back to me. Right. Well, for me as a watcher, an observer, I love method acting. I think it's so freaking cool, and I think it's so cool that people will sacrifice their bodies and their entire livelihood for what they're doing. Mm. And it's not necessarily, like, any deeper than that. 
and I think that your reasoning for not liking it is way better from a reason <laughs> than liking it. I look at Heath Ledger and I'm just amazed at his performance in that in the, in uh, the Dark Knight, and and that's my first exposure to understanding what method acting was, and then from there my respect for it grew because. Mm-hmm. These people are committing sometimes their entire life. Like, like, uh, Jim Crazy went crazy. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to ignore that. (laughs) Jim Carrey went crazy over Man on the Moon. And they portrayed it in a documentary on Netflix, which is really good if you haven't Mm. seen it. I saw about half of it. Really good. Bizarro. So fun to watch. It is, I think that's what truly took my respect for method acting to a whole nother level. It was so funny and so disturbing at the same time to watch him become someone else and then also so watch he's possessed his struggles. By the yes. His struggles during that, not only with himself, but with the director mm-hmm. who could not stand what was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, the actors who hated him. Mm-hmm. Um, another example is Jared Leto. Mm-hmm. who yeah. was hated on the set of most of the films he was in, but mm-hmm. particularly made famous the, um, what was it, Suicide Squad? Yeah. It wasn't his, even that great of a movie. His Joker portrayal was, for some reason, the, the most riveting part of the movie. It was crap. <laughs> no, like, what I, what I mean by that is, like, people took the character that, People took the comparison between the character that the character that they knew and loved from beforehand and put this kind of outline as to what he should act like, and he took it in a completely different way because that was the way that he experienced it in his head that he had formulated in his head, right? Does well, that make I saw sense? interviews of yeah, I saw interviews of some of the actors on that set saying that he would send them boxes of dead rats blood some reports of like even worse like semen okay <laughs> i would like be reporting that if yeah that's see answer. like this is that's like for me like that's taking it way too far it's like yeah. when you're actually harassing the other people in your life or even actually causing your your own self-harm that's when you're taking acting too far the word itself act you are literally acting this out. You're not it. You are not being it. You're acting it. Yeah. It's not acting. If you truly start taking on these characteristics and start doing these things, you're no longer portraying a serial killer. You are acting as a, you are you are becoming you are taking on those characteristics of a serial killer. And that's crossing a line. That's something that, you know, people agree on is a terrible thing to do, something you should never do, murdering people. But when you cross that line from you are portraying a person who had these characteristics and who had these tendencies to then actually, like, trying to experience that and then therefore doing it yourself, well, then you're committing the same heinous act that they did. That's crossing a line. Just kind of giving a synopsis on what, just going back to Jared Leto's little gifts. Um, Jared Leto and Will Smith are recorded to have never talked as Jared Leto and Will Smith. So. Yeah, he was the guy who was interviewed. Yeah, Will Smith said, I never spoke to Jared Leto as anything other than the Joker. 
uh, Margot Robbie got the live rat. He gifted everyone a dead hog. The live rat? Mm-hmm. Bless her. Yes, and then anal beads. Anal beads were given to uh, everyone in the cast. Used condoms. Uh, yeah, so there's the... Yeah, uh, a box full of nudie mark. mags, a dildo, a switchblade, and a used condom uh, to everyone. That sounds like, I guess, something a stalker would send an actor. See, that's not, uh, that's a totally different topic, but that's not even staying true to the character of the Joker. Yeah, exactly. That's a great point. That's a totally different story, but that's not even staying true to the character. I feel like he just wanted to portray a cynical person. Yes. Right. He, just he to... I give him props for wanting to create a distinct character that was his own. Because the worst thing you can do in portraying a character that many people have portrayed is going back and watch what people have done. Because then you're not creating your own character, you're emulating what other people have done. But, like, you're not even staying true to the character that is the Joker, which is something that has been literally set in stone in, like, comic books for, right. for years. And we, the Joker was meant to be nothing more than the nemesis of Batman. That was his his job and his purpose and all of the characteristics characteristics that came with him that created the Joker were meant to fulfill that purpose. But then by taking, I, I have not seen just, um, Suicide Squad. So I, I have not seen Jared Little's performance of the Joker. But from what I have heard... It's hard to watch, so bar- I barely watched it, even though I watched it. <laughs> yeah. So from what I have heard, the character that he decided to portray was not even the Joker. Yeah. Was just, and, and, and these <clears throat> little gifts that he gave to people were just the sick thoughts of a deranged person, not the Joker. That's so like a sociopath. That's, that's where method acting... A lot of it is hugely successful, but that's an example of method acting that I think went to waste because it was... It sounds like a guy trying to be a method actor. And that goes back to kind of what I was saying of each person experiences everything individually and in their own way, which is like the same concept of I experience pain far differently than other people do. So the way that Jared Leto saw the Joker in his head and therefore methodly tried to achieve that methodically whatever <laughs> tried to achieve that i'm glad you caught that because i wouldn't have <laughs> <laughs> um came out completely differently than how the joker character would have i think that heath ledger did it perfectly and that's too which is terrifying too different yeah and why is it terrifying price. That he did it perfectly, yeah. that he got so inside the head of a purely evil, psychotic, sociopathic person that he made us believe that that's exactly who that was. The biggest compliment that an actor can get when playing a villain is, I hate you. Yes. Because you made them believe that you truly are that evil person. And one of the scariest things that those those people can hear is probably, I love you so much. Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's the ter- most terrifying thing, because you're like, whoa, ho, ho. Take a Why? Step back, please. please, no. <laughs> Welcome to Loki from every Marvel movie since. Yeah, I love <laughs> but Tom is Hardy, Loki really Bane. evil? 
That's the thing, he's not. Well, I mean, that's going back into comic book lore, but yeah. that's all, you know, we don't want to get into that. <laughs> we don't want to get into that. Uh, I know comic book lore. Real quickly, uh, <laughs> have you guys ever seen The Lovely Bones? No. No. It is a movie that it, I watched when I was young, and it has been etched in my head since I watched it. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like when I saw Jared Leto's performance of the Joker, it reminded me more of this character from The Lovely Bones than of Joker itself. So Lovely mm-hmm. Bones, quick synopsis, mm-hmm. uh, sociopathic murderer, murders a girl, she goes missing, everyone's looking for her, he stuffs her bones and body into a safe and chucks it into the landfill. Um, and it's just a story of her sister knowing just somewhere in her heart that he did it. And this entire movie, he's stalking her, making sure that she doesn't actually know and just hiding the fact that, that she knows. It was such a terrifying movie in the sense that you only see horror for like 20 minutes and the rest of the movie is just tension. And the character gets portrayed as such a, you know, hey there neighbor, you know, and and I feel like that's sociopathic. Yeah, exactly. God. I feel like that whole aspect of sociopathness and just the face craziness that Jared Leto portrays in the Suicide Squad, apart from like trying to still be the Joker, is the air that this character in the Lovely Bones creates. Mm. And I do recommend it as a watch. Um, apart from that, like, again, disc- discrediting, not discrediting his effort into creating his own character, just. That's immediately what it reminded me of when I saw that movie. So, what do you love about classical acting? Um, as opposed to method acting? So, what I love about it is that I, as the actor, am still able to experience that story and that character um, from an outside view within my own head. Um, when you give yourself over to method acting and give yourself over to that character, you become that character so like the example of will smith never spoke to jared leto because jared leto quote was not present it was the joker um but as an as a classical actor i within my own head am still able to experience this character and experience the story from a viewer's perspective while while still portraying it myself Um, the best example I can think of, uh, was fairly recent. Um, we were doing, um, a production of Breaking the Code, which is about Alan Turing, the, basically the inventor of the computer. Um, because in the, uh, in World War II, the German Enigma Code, they were trying to break the code. And if, um, breaking code, um, familiar with the movie, um, The Imitation Game with Benedict Cumberbatch. I know what it is, and that's a crazy story. I don't know the movie, but I know the historical background of of what you're talking about. So, um, it's basically the same concept, but instead of it being specifically about the Enigma Code and breaking the code and the machine, it is about the life of Alan Turing. Um, So, I portrayed a character um, known as, in the play, as uh, John Smith, but my director very much so wanted to see this character portrayed by a woman. And so, um, we renamed the character Jane Smith. We didn't want to change really anything. We didn't change any of the dialogue except for the name. Um, So there was a moment that our actor who was portraying Alan Turing was able to experience from his own perspective what it was like to 
really be attacked for being a homosexual in that time. Um, it's a longer story of being involved um, in his church and being kind of looked completely looked down upon for portraying a homosexual character, but um, he was able to experience what that felt like. And that performance that night threw him completely through a series of loops that he never expected. And he um, changed up the blocking and he changed up the emotion and everything, not because he was trying to, but because he was really feeling it. And I, as an actor, can respond to this. I can choose to make choices, which would then go into um, very specifically my classical acting of um, I'm not going to yell back at him. Um, but in this moment, he, okay, he's got to be six foot one, two in that range. And I'm five foot three. So he is literally towering over me directly in front of me and has just been shouting. But my character is not the lead detective, but the lead detective's boss um, in this scene. So she is literally completely in control of what's happening. And in my head, Jane thought, I am 100% in control of this situation. I do not need to react in the same way that he is. And simply in that low voice responded and spoke the line that I've spoke, that I had spoken that I had said a thousand times in rehearsals and performances and said it completely differently, but this time said it in this specific way. I as the actor made that choice, but I got to experience watching Jane make that decision to be in charge. And if I had completely given myself over to Jane, I as myself, the actor, would not have experienced that. I literally was able to experience such a beautiful actor moment of being completely, of completely honing my craft and being completely in control of it and understanding what it was like and understanding my character to such a point that I knew that I was in control of the situation. Normally, I as Taryn, if someone's in my face shouting at me, I'm going to shout back to, to get them to back off. I'm a tiny person, I have to present myself as larger. But Jane was completely in control. She had no reason to shout back at this man because she had all the cards. And that was a moment that I got to experience that still to this day, I'm like, oh my gosh, that was great. But I never would have experienced that in the same capacity if I, if I had given myself over to the character of Jane. But yeah, that's so interesting because a lot of acting is supposed to be the experience of the actor and through film we have taken away this experience of acting that was truly ancient like actors in Greece who mm -hmm. started building these giant auditoriums mm -hmm. and and constructing laying out you know big portions of their um, of their money towards these projects that could only advance cultural growth, mm -hmm. not military growth. Mm -hmm. And w which in that time, military was a big thing, mm -hmm. especially in a time where Persia was trying to destroy everything that Greece has made. They still believed in this thing called acting. Mm -hmm. um, so my, my point being is that method acting, and I think your point being, 
is method acting is taking away from the experience of what acting should be. Yeah. And uh, maybe maybe it allows the watcher to have or the observer to have like the same experience. Mm-hmm. But the ancient roots of what acting is is kind of distorted and and watered down mm-hmm. by this intense new thing that we've discovered through mm-hmm. pretty much film. Yeah, I, I definitely would agree. And like the point of bringing up that it's film almost specific is that uh, the camera just picks up every nuance. Um, and so when you are acting as you would on the stage, it looks completely overacted and it looks completely ridiculous. And um, the biggest note I got in my film class was Terrence, stop acting. Because it's just, I have these big gestures and these big facial expressions. And when you look at that on a camera, you're like, this person is crazy. <laughs> but because the camera just picks up these little nuances of when you hear that person say that hurtful thing, there's just that slight twinge in your face. The camera picks that up so easily. Someone who's dialed that down is the actor who plays Cersei in Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Um, she gets these looks. She's a very stern, serious woman. Mm-hmm. She's become the queen of Westeros. <clears throat> mm-hmm. She's this mother who's lost her children, all of her children, mm-hmm. to poison, um, murder, suicide. Wow. So... She's this really uh, strong woman, queen, over the entire kingdom of, mm-hmm. of Game of Thrones. And, queen. and this is one of those people we were talking about earlier, how, how it's probably sickening to somebody like her to hear somebody say, I love you. Mm-hmm. But if I were to meet her, that's exactly what I would have to say. She is such a good actor. She does everything she has to be to make mm-hmm. me hate her, oh my God, which yeah. makes me realize I love her. Right. She's mm-hmm. such a great actor. Yeah. And so these things that she does with her eyes, her mouth, these slight twitches, they signal oh, yeah. hate and disgust. Which, looking at that and talking to you, it it allows you to realize how significant face-to-face your interactions with people can be. Absolutely, yeah. And just day-to-day. Mm-hmm. Which makes people like me um, kind of cower while you act. Because you think about those things. Mm-hmm. If you're too in, in tuned with, with the things that I just talked about, you... It's hard to be an actor. Mm-hmm. I don't know. How do you get past that? How do you, while you're acting, get past that fog of reality? Oh, gosh. Um, that was deep. Yeah. That was real deep. <laughs> oh, Lord. Okay. Um, so, it kind of goes back to what I was saying about an actor in a monologue that you picture literally every single detail that is on that stage, even though no one else can see it. Um, So when you are on the stage and you are stepping into a world that is not reality, and you are creating that fourth wall 
which is a common term in the theater community. Um, whenever you look at a stage, uh, typically there it is um, three sides of a room, even if it's outdoors. A, a stage presents those three sides of a room. There, it, you can see where the stage ends in front of you, and you can see where the stage no longer continues out to the sides, and that creates the three walls. Well, the actor has to create that fourth wall between them and the audience. Um, there obviously isn't one. Um, and when you are in something called a, um, a black box theater or a theater in the round, um, there's audience on all four sides of you. And so you have to create all four walls um, to separate the world that you are in from reality, which is the audience. And it's very difficult when you can see the audience and you can see their reactions and hear their reactions. But when they're a little further away from you, it's a little bit easier to just kind of completely dive into this world that, that all of the actors on the stage have created and that the director has given you details of and the set designer has shown you details of. Um, and it is really just focusing in on those details. Because if you, if you think about it, it's those idiosyncrasies of life that really create your personality and who you are as a person. Um, when I'm nervous, if I have a jewelry on, typically I wear rings, I play with them. I, I don't necessarily turn them, but like I, I kind of massage them. They're there. There's something that's tangible that I can touch. Even though I don't have them on right now, I can, I can feel which ring I'm, I'm messing with. I know what ring is there. Um, and that's something that really just kind of like gives into my character as a person. That's something that really brings an audience member in because it, you realize these little things that people do all day long, every day, that you don't notice until you get into a moment of really knowing someone and understanding that that's what that means to them. Um, uh, the actor that I was talking about uh, who is portraying Alan Turing, had to uh, pick up on the idiosyncrasies of a realistic stutter. Um, Alan Turing had a stutter. And it wasn't something that he had that was prominent all the time. It was prominent in nervous situations. It was prominent in difficult emotional situations. But if you got into a moment where he was speaking educationally or about in specifically about about math, he would go for paragraphs without a single stutter because wow. it was just something that he understood and that his brain functioned on so clearly mm -hmm. and there wouldn't be a single stutter. But if there was a pen drop, that throws his focus and suddenly now there, there is a stutter. And now he's just, now it's there. But you know, there's other things that come with that stutter. There's a little bit of a twitch. There's a little bit of a no eye contact because you know, you're embarrassed by it. If you just have the stutter, but you don't have the rest of it, it's not really believable. But it's those details that pull you into that world. And when you understand those and start portraying those and start seeing those on the stage, you kind of forget that you, that you are on a stage. Uh, we were doing, like I said, Julius, uh, Julius Caesar, and we were getting into the battle scenes. And they were choreographed so beautifully that we could seamlessly flow through them. But you would, for half a second, forget that that's exactly what we were doing. Yeah. You would 
come running onto the stage and be shouting these these commands or, or these lines and you would have a brief moment of oh yeah i'm acting <laughs> that's a thing but i i would say that it's the details it's focusing in on those details that really do help you transition from that reality and the audience to the world that you've created as an actor but then also as a team the actors the director the the author, the playwright, and then also the set designer, costume designer, simple details on a costume. It is amazing how much putting on a costume brings people, like, from that giving 85, 92% to suddenly 110% of their character, simply by putting on the costume and the garb that 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 person wears and suddenly you know exactly how they have to move because of that costume or what it is that gives them that air of royalty or whatever it is that they have to portray Um, a hump that they have that causes them to look away when they walk Um, if you ever get a chance to watch a monologue of Richard III someone who really portrays that hump that he carried is incredible when they can grasp that fully and understand how that affects a person. Um, But I guess to answer the question, it is those details that really bring you into the world instead of out and and out of the reality, which is our life. One of the advantages of choosing to classically act as opposed to method acting, I can see... I read a book once that said um, every book you read it takes a part of you out and places it within that book. Mm. So let me let me expand on that. Say you're going on a trip far away and you bring a book with you. And you're reading that book mm-hmm. along the way. You get in the car, you start your trip, you're in the passenger seat, and you're reading that book. And you get to your destination. You continue reading that book while you're there. And then you take the trip back, and you're continuing to read that book. And you finish it. Now, that place you went, the, the people you met, All of that starts to intertwine with that book that you read Mm -hmm. so that in five years or 10 years or 20 years down the road, you read that book and you start remembering those people, the places, all these beautiful things that you experienced. So this thing that had nothing to do with your experience somehow grasped you in and allowed you to experience something completely different than anybody else did. And you can now revisit that through this book or whatever you were doing at the time. Mm -hmm. And so during when you're acting and you make it this beautiful thing that you've been talking about, classical Mm -hmm. acting, separating yourself from that and pretending, I feel like that section of your life, which I've experienced because I've had the, I've I've been able to um, participate in a couple community theaters that were a lot of fun. It was so cool. And, um, that character, that story that you're learning, that you're, 
you're developing into kind of becomes a part of your life Mm -hmm. that you can later revisit. I don't know. Kind of a cool thought. Yeah. I don't know if it's necessarily true or not, but I definitely think fondly of um, acting and the time, the, uh, the people I got to pretend to portray and it was such a fun thing to do and to think about committing my life to that and regretting that and like in Heath Ledger's situation dying over a role Mm -hmm. it kind of takes away from the experience of just pretending and being and Mm -hmm. that ancient thing that we were talking about yeah I don't know it's definitely uh it's definitely a really cool thing to pursue, in my opinion. It's a lot of fun. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little biased, but I agree. <laughs> <laughs> definitely an original and unique thing to pursue. Yeah. And traveling can definitely help with that, too, like yeah. you said. Mm-hmm. Absolutely getting to see these other parts of the world and experience uh, a type of people that you don't experience on your daily uh, in your daily life it kind of just opens up these new realms of experiences um, neural pathways open up to where yeah it's uh there's a there's a couple things uh, a couple sayings like um uh feelings are to actors what colors are to painters that's crazy. Yes. <laughs> Who yeah. told you that? Uh, my, uh, actually, uh, I call her my theater mama, um, but she's definitely one of um, the main influences in my life um, in the sense that she's trained me in acting since I was in ooh, the That's the mentor you were talking eighth about? Eighth grade. Uh, no, uh, this one, this is uh, Dee Dee Eldridge. She is, uh, uh, has a community theater called Freefall Stage in Folsom, but uh, the mentor I was talking about uh, specifically is at is in my college and okay. that's been the last uh, couple of years but Dee has been with me since I was in like the eighth grade and she's the one who has classically trained me and that's something that she said to me and I mentioned it once to another actor while we were painting a set and she's like huh she did learn something from me <laughs> I was like I heard what you said um the other is that um something that I've just kind of always said is that um be careful stepping into an actor's life. Um, you will be the inspiration for something. Everything you do with an actor will inspire something, whether it's um, a scene, a monologue, uh, an aspect of a character. Um, it's the same for a writer. Uh, everything you do um, will be used in their craft. Um, an experience that you have with them, suddenly you see an aspect of that in a character that they portray. Um, a monologue that they have about... Um, whatever it happens to be, like, you see, you remember something you said to them or whatever it is. Um, Actors take everything from their life and put it into their craft. Um, The same, like I said, the same for a writer. I took experiences from high school and um, put them into a monologue that I wrote. Um, and the thoughts that I had and the feelings that I had about these experiences, I put them straight into a monologue and, um, wrote it out and performed it, uh, for a competition. And it was something that I was so 
easily able to step into and portray because it was something that I had felt. Um, but it's, it's something that I never would have experienced if I hadn't met a specific person. But it's, it, that's something that I've always, you know, like, said, and I've heard other actors say the same and express the same feeling that be careful stepping into an actor's life. Because you will end up on the stage with them. Rest in peace, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> well. <clears throat> hey. <Yeah. laughs> no regrets. No regrets. <laughs> we'll see what happens with that. <clears throat> well, you've already seen more of my performances than any other like partner in my life has. That's true. So, I mean, hey, you're I've ready. seen three now? Yeah. 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 And not that many, but more than anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking uh, of performances, though, West Side Story tomorrow. West Side yes! Story! I am going? so excited. Me too. I'm so excited. It's really great for me because, personally, I know three people. Okay, I know more than that. But I am very, very close with three people that are on that stage tomorrow night. But I know practically everyone else in the, in this. Um, Amber Donnelly. Amber's there? Might as well promote it. Uh, Jared Cagley. Jared! And um, Elizabeth Garby. Um, are this is all, at the ARC. Yes, American, American River, River College Theater Department is putting on West Side Story, which is amazing. Directed by Sam Williams, the best theater bow, professor. Bow, bow, bow. I love you, Cam and Nancy and Tracy as well. But yeah, so it's pretty great, and I'm really excited. And I've been hearing about it behind the scenes from everyone because, like I said, I have very three people that I'm very close to in it. I've been hearing about it, the struggles of being in it, um, but then also the culmination and what it looks like now, which is still worth it. So I'm excited. I'm so Me excited. too. Ain't nothing better than a show day. Oh, oh my goodness, it's beautiful. Although I will say, fair warning. If you're seated next to me during the performance, she's a grabber. <laughs> I I am a judger when it comes to my own craft. Um, you look at something and you just kind of see yourself up there too, and you're like, oh, I would have done it this way, or that's not how that would have been portrayed. If you know, you just start like nitpicking it. So lots of <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't. <laughs> Chris is like making faces really? that I have made. <laughs> Um, it's not necessarily, like, verbal, but you'll just kind of, like, see me suddenly, like, moving and twitching, and you're just like, what's going on? It's like, there's so much going on inside my head. Something about it. Yeah. It's like when you see another barista making a cup of coffee, and you're like, oh my god. Oh, yeah. Oh, Francis. When you walk into another Starbucks, and you're like, what's going on here? Have you heard of microphone? <laughs> Have you heard of what that is? Have you heard of sequencing? Look at all that, that milk on the counter. You hear yeah. that nozzle screeching in my ear? Look at all that milk on the ear? counter, <laughs> Let's cancel that. Oh, I hate it. I hate it when, when a mobile order comes through. Oh, and it God. is for, like, no foam. A mobile order? A mobile order. Uh, oh, time to go back. I have to, wait, when do you come back? Tuesday. I have to deal with that for an extra week. <laughs> I'm so, gone. Really two funny weeks, story. By the way. Really funny. I know I heard about that. That's really sad. I got promoted. I, which is really great. But the sad part is that you're leaving us. So, really funny story. Okay, in Gibsonia at my store, um, Chris was here when this happened. He was visiting. And um, I, I say mobile. And I can only attribute it to 
um, acting since the age of five and being an experienced uh, many characters with British accents and so there are many words in my vocabulary that I just have a British pronunciation for. Like mum. Mum. My mum. My mother. Okay, but think about it. Mummy, can it. you pick up some food <laughs> from the store? Mummy. Think about it for a second though. My <laughs> mother. My mother. My mum. Anyway, I go, ma! <laughs> I call my mom mother in Spanish, which is madre. Yes. And I never thought it was weird until I had a family outing where they were like, why do you do that? Yeah. And I was like, I just, madre. is that not what you do in Spanish? <laughs> like, yeah, madre. Yeah. So, funny story is that um, my coworkers had often asked me if I had recognized um, accents in them and that kind of thing. Um, and one shift specifically was always making fun of my, quote, valley girl accent. Um, which, let's be honest, um, I don't actually have a valley girl accent. I have a Californian accent, absolutely. I don't have a valley girl, which I totally, like, would come over the headset and be in a super valley girl accent just to, like, put him in his place. We pronunciate a lot. Yes. In California. Yeah. That is a really (laughs) another funny story, but I'm getting off track. Sorry. Um... That my coworkers asked me, so is that like a thing from where you're from, or is that like a you thing? And I was like, what, the mobile? They're like, yeah, the mobile. I was like, no. And I, they're like, so so how do how do Californians say mobile? And I was like, hey Chris, how do you say mobile? Mobile. Mobile. <laughs> 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 like, no, it is not a Californian thing. It is a me thing. I say mobile, and then I went we into how I really anno- annoy my coworker by saying you know, mobile. That's how we started talking. And so neither and trousers and caramel. Wait, Carmel you say wait, hold on, hold up. Trousers? What? Trousers. You say trousers instead of pants. I differentiate. I recognize the difference between a pair of trousers and a pair of pants when most Americans simply say pants. Okay, what is the difference? So a pair of trousers would be dress slacks. Pressed. Pressed. Um, anything like in that category would be a pair of trousers, while jeans or anything else like that. Okay. So jeans. trousers could be would worn be... with slacks. Yeah. Sorry, suspenders, S- not slacks. Okay, yes. Trousers <clears throat> could be worn with suspenders. If I ever see a pair of suspenders so... on a pair of jeans, I will scream. Oof, Halloween for Taryn. Awesome ideas. <laughs> <laughs> but I also differentiate the difference between a blouse and a shirt. Yeah. You know, a, a woman's blouse, which would be a dress shirt and that sort of thing. You ripped my don't... blouse. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just full of Nacho Libre quotes today. <laughs> the Lord's Cheats. <laughs> You've only seen Jeeps. half of Nacho Libre. You got That's why you didn't get my up. Lord's Chips reference. Oh, Sorry, I haven't seen that movie in years. It's a wonderful movie, though. <laughs> it oh. stopped loading while I was watching it and just, like, stopped on his movie. face, like, when he goes to, like, the nun's apartment or whatever. Like, it just, <laughs> stopped. It just stopped right there on his face, and I was like, I'm just not this meant to finish this movie. <laughs> Uh, what are we talking about? Pronunciations. Um, caramel and caramel, caramel are two different things. Coming from the culinary world, okay. two what? different things. Okay. Yes. Caramel is a flavor. I got plenty of sound, dog. Caramel is flavoring <laughs> and a, a flavor profile. Okay. Caramel is the candy. Oh. Caramel is a candied flavor, is a caramel flavored candy. Okay. 
right? However... So you can make caramel-flavored caramels. Okay. And you can make different-shaped caramels, but you, you, you... you so there's toffees and there's toffees, and there's caramels and there's caramels. Yes. Okay, but <laughs> going into just the sense to me. grammatical aspect of uh-huh. it, that there is another A in the word. So, if I'm talking about the flavoring, and I don't want, and I don't say caramel, would I then be saying caramel? Because there is another A, and it's not caramel. It's not caramel. You know it's what I caramel. think it is? Here's here's a theory. The aluminum and aluminium. That is different. Because it may <gasps> caramel may be from a different country. Nope, absolutely. And caramel. Absolutely different. <laughs> okay. If if you look at the British uh, spelling British. It's different. of aluminum, it is aluminium. Yeah. There is another I in the word. Right. But we're talking a, a word that is an American culture that is it is spelled C-A-R-A-M-E-L. And that's just how it's spelled. Yeah. I have not seen it unless you spell it incorrectly. I have not seen it C-A-R-M-E-L. <laughs> it is C-A-R-A-M-E-L, which is why I'm saying that there is another A, and that's why I say caramel. But then, okay, if caramel is specifically the candy, so then it would be caramel. But it's not caramel. That's just grammatically incorrect. It's just like language and and how you pronounce how you would pronounce the word and the the spelling of the word. That's just it's incorrect. But if you're gonna make a, a difference between items in the culinary world and concepts, okay. So caramel would be the candied, but then the flavor is caramel. You but know not who could caramel. settle this? A who? Twitter poll. <laughs> we had over 200 people. Those are the worst humans. No, just kidding. <laughs> I mean, we love you. Bless you, You followers. mean everything to us. <laughs> no, but we had like 200 per- participants in the uh, Star Trek and Star Wars debate. Oh, yeah. Yes, Trekkies. That was crazy. People oh, were going crazy over that. Live long and prosper. But I'm sorry, what was, what was the poll idea? <laughs> oh, no, just uh, caramel, caramel and caramel. caramel. Do you say... Which is actually becoming a meme. Have you seen those memes where it's uh, um, pretty much every single word that could be debated in how we say it? Mm-hmm. They've started doing this um, thing where it's like people who say caramel and it shows <laughs> a picture of a god. And then it's people who say caramel. <laughs> it's spelled the same. Well, I don't know. It's... Not caramel. Different. <laughs> caramel. Different example, it's spelled exactly the same, but mm-hmm. you read it differently as you yeah, read the meme. Absolutely. The peasant is at the bottom, the king is at the top, <laughs> and you know who you are. Exactly. You don't need any other explanation. You don't need anybody to pronounce it. You know who you are. <laughs> you know how we could, like, you know, pseudo-settle this? I'm going to post a few of those memes on Please it. do. Type it in on, on, on Google, and it'll... it'll... And it'll pronounce it. It'll pronunciate, for, pronunciate it for you. Bane oh, is just, just making you... typing sound. It's a little bitch right now. <laughs> oh, <laughs> look at that I, cute I little cat. Hold on. Hold on. Oh. Caramel. Ah! My mind just exploded! <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Caramel. That's, well, that's first of all, it sounded dumb. Second of all... <laughs> You're the one who simply suggested... Hold on. Up on Google. It. That doesn't mean that Hold Google's on, right. Then why'd you I want to 
I want to just call Google Fran out. You thought Google would settle this for us? Google thought, just Google, did settle I this thought, for us. Oh my god, Darren, you... I'm going to strangle something. <laughs> Come at me, bro. Francisco says Capri Sun. Oh my god, are you It's Capri Sun. Listen, listen, listen. Capri. In Spanish. What do you wear? What, it, what I, do girls oh wear? Capris? Oh my god. Or Capris. Can you please listen to me? I just want to be listened to in this relationship. In Spanish, for years of my life, I said Capri Sun. Switching to a different language, which I can do so seamlessly, don't get wrong. Caprison versus what what was it again? What's the correct way to Caprison. say it? Caprison. Capri. It's a California so, word. Caprison. Caprison. It only makes sense in my head. I'm not discrediting the fact that you're right. I respect you, <laughs> but I also <laughs> hate you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm having acid reflux. <laughs> a couple too many, Chris? Okay. Is that inch of water I had when I walked in? Is that acidic iced coffee? That acidic. I'm gonna say that I understand that. I do. But the thing is I didn't I didn't under it never came up as so hey, you wanna sip on my juice? Yeah. Look at my pouch. Like yeah, it never my came juice up. pouch, my yeah, juice box. I, it was never like like hey, that label. Besides, like years into my life we switched over to, to, to Kool-Aid packets anyways. Those were the spam. The spam? The spam, dog. <sighs> Chris, what you got for us? What a we're at an hour and forty. What a great evening 40. we have had wow. together. This was a wonderful evening. Yeah. I Thank appreciate you, Taryn. Taryn for coming in and having the courage to come in and just talk. <laughs> well, this was fun. Yeah. I mean, as like your number one listener. <laughs> Seriously, our number one, which I called you out for on our last episode. Oh, that's awesome. Um, I yeah, no, I've loved listening and just like cracking up and like you can ask Chris like I would be like texting my responses as I'm listening I'd just be like <laughs> responding to everything that you guys were saying and That's like so cool. oh it was great so then it's like it was just like jumping in over here I was like all right now I can just respond in person <laughs> <laughs> yes on air cool well first of all shout out to Jared yeah for his play if you are in the area of Sacramento, which I know at least 50 of our listeners um, are in Citrus Heights or Sacramento or Roseville or some some area around there, go check it out at ARC. Only it's playing two more performances. Tomorrow and the day after that. Yes. Go see our man Jared, who will be on our podcast yes. early November. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Very early November, we have Jared, and then we have Andrew. Is that true? Mm-hmm. Right after that? Which is um, tech mastermind. <laughs> tech mastermind, who is also a um, a co-worker of Chris. Is that mm-hmm. what you would call him? He's one him? of the co-founders. Co-founder of the Giving Gallery. That's right. Shout out, Chris's. Giving Gallery. Go yes. check out the Giving Gallery. Givinggallery.org. Great yes. website for... Um, Promoting your art and also giving back to charity organizations. Yes, mental health nonprofit organizations. What else do we got? What other shout outs we got? 
We shout out Taryn, our number one listener. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a little proud of this. Yeah. What about thanks the best to- co-hosts in the world? Shout out to Tommy and Chris. Yes. You guys are awesome. Dude, Tom thanks. and Topher. Thanks, guys. Yeah, Y'all are too nice. Can I do a special shout out to your uh, cats? <laughs> Bruce and Bane. Uh, Bruce I really and Bane. Need a, I need a picture of this. I love my cats so much. I love this so much. I've been coddling with one of Tommy's cats for the last like 30 minutes and it's been amazing. I have yeah. two black cats. They're brothers. One's very small, one's very big. They're named Bruce and Bane. And they are the loves of my life. Thank they're, you, Bruce and Bane, for being who you are. They are little sweet boys. Adorable. <laughs> For sure, the mascot of what we have going on. Here. Oh my god! And they distract me on many, many a show here. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thanks, guys, for tuning in. If you need a shout out, let us know. We will advertise for you. God bless you. Angels watch over you. Watch over your soul. Good night, everyone. Bye. <laughs>